Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Snescapades, the chronological journey through the entire North American Super Nintendo library. We're two friends who play every single game that was released in North America. We play them briefly, judge them harshly, and then rank them. That's pretty much all you need to know. I'm Steampunk Link. I'm Emmy Zero, and I'm excited. New episode, new month, and for pretty interesting games i think for us to look at this week yeah and because this is a new month i guess we're gonna really quickly check in with newsy to see what was happening this month in history newsy it's september 1991 terry gilliam's the fisher king starring robin williams and jeff bridges opens this month and would go on to reel in over 41 million i'm being handed an update here let's see I'm being told this movie is not actually about fishing. Nirvana releases Nevermind, and the single Smells Like Teen Spirit, while the, I'm sure, equally memorable I Adore Me Amore by Color Me Bad spends two weeks at the top of the charts. And the very first Linux kernel is released to the internet, to all five or so people actually using it at the time. Back to you, Emmy Zero and Steampunk Link. Thank you, Newsy. That was just lovely. I love that guy. Yeah, me too. He's so good. He's so good at what he does. He doesn't ask us to pay him. It's yep, amazing. yeah. All, all, all he wants is he just wants a nickel. He, all you got to do is just, just he does. Just he does. Give the little tyke a nickel, and he's he's on his way. Yeah, we're not going to tell him about inflation, right? Because like that nickel does not buy as much as he thinks it does at this point in time. I'm. I'm definitely not telling him about the the state of the newspaper industry. I'm, yeah, no, that's that's so. just gonna that's just gonna bum him out. Wow, that took a that took a slightly dark turn. Sorry about that. There. So, <laughs> yeah. um, anyway, so we are in September 1991, and we just talked about all the launch games last episode. We're moving on to some other things by other companies. We haven't had a whole lot of non Nintendo stuff yet. That's true. I think we've only had one non Nintendo game so far. Mm-hmm. Right? We had Gradius Three, and that. That's it. But today, everything is from other companies. And that's going to lead to some different stuff, some very different kinds of applications of the Super Nintendo technology going on here. First game up for today is going to be Hyperzone, which was made by HAL, which if you are a Nintendo fan at all, you know that these guys are the guys behind Kirby and Super Smash Brothers and a lot of other really popular Nintendo stuff. They are very closely coupled with Nintendo these days. They're an almost inseparable part of Nintendo, but they are not actually the same company. They're not, you know, uh, just a development team within Nintendo. They are their own thing. So uh, so Hyperzone, this came out, uh, well, sometime in September 1991. We're not really worried too much about the dates because a lot of them we just aren't going to know. But It showed up in a store at some point yes. in September 91. That's all you need to know. Most likely. And so we've already looked at a horizontally scrolling shooter when we looked at Gradius 3. Mm-hmm. This is a shooter, but it's not horizontal. It's not vertical. I I, I sometimes think of it as like a Z-axis shooter, although I, I think um, yeah. Wikipedia might have a better name for it here with rail shooter. Yeah, that's and that's pretty accurate. I think that rail shooter is a term that gets applied to things like Star Fox and Sin and Punishment, those kinds of things, yeah. uh, Panzer Dragoon, all of that. So this is kind of like an early version of that. Think about something like Space Harrier 
and you know you're you're kind of on the right track for what this is um and it's it's an interesting game i understand that uh the the specific way the levels look is actually inspired by the acid trip star dive sequence at the end of 2001 a space odyssey uh, which is interesting. Yeah, that, that is um, interesting if true. You can kind of see that, honestly. Aesthetically yeah. speaking, you can't help but compare it to F-Zero. Yeah, for sure. It's got a very F-Zero look to it. Um, you lose energy when you go out of bounds. The big difference here is that the Mode 7 effect is actually mirrored on the bottom and top of the screen. So you're going to see roads, for lack of a better term, <laughs> um, above and below you as you're going through the levels, which creates kind of a neat effect. It does. Everything kind of uh, narrows to to sort of a point in the center of the screen. It's kind of interesting. It's it's like you're sandwiched between an F-Zero track on the bottom and top of the screen, and you can move up and down as well as side to side. I've never really played another thing quite like this because it does feel sort of like it's, it's trying to combine, you know, a shooter with some of the kind of like track navigation stuff that you would be doing in F-Zero. And I do kind of wonder because how even back then had a really close relationship with Nintendo, if they had seen F-Zero and were like, oh, well, we can kind of do our own spin on this that's that's going to be kind of different. Or if they just sort of came up with it on their own because the technology was there and they were just sort of working in the same space as Nintendo was when they were making F-Zero. Yeah, I, I wonder. Just looking at the tracks, you definitely get the feeling that, like, this was based on F-Zero. I mean, there's even those kind of weird sort of bubble bumper things yeah. on the sides of the tracks and everything. It's a game that I am personally not really sure how I feel about, honestly. I admire what they were trying to do with it. I, I think it has a really cool style to it, but... When you actually play it, you kind of quickly figure out there's not a whole lot going on. Um, you can move your ship left and right and up and down. You can shoot. There isn't really much more to it than that, though. Weirdly, you can slow down, but you can't speed up. Once you stop slowing down, you'll kind of revert back to like a maximum top speed. But there's no like boosting or anything in this game. Yeah, there's there's no boost, and there's also no power-up system, which I feel like is a real... No. La that's something that's really lacking in a shooter. Yeah, there's no power-ups in this. There's not even a way, as far as I know, to recover health, right? Well, you can run over um, certain areas, again, like in F-Zero, that'll restore your health. That's true, but there's not, like, health power-ups you can get. Like, basically, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of incentive to actually, like shoot well or do anything except dodge stuff in this game which is really odd so the one upgrade that there is is that after a certain amount of levels you will upgrade your ship and i think that might actually be based on your score oh really okay i was not clear on that but that would make sense that would be something at least yeah and i'm actually not entirely sure that's the case um i will say like getting a new ship is kind of cool because it completely replaces your hud and that's kind of a neat thing that's a cool thing yeah this game has some cool style it just doesn't really I just don't think it really works that well as an experience when you're actually playing it. Like, it's very difficult in ways that seem entirely driven by just the controls not really being capable of, of letting you, like, avoid things or shoot effectively. And there's there's just not a whole lot to it in a different way than something like what we've already talked about with F-Zero or Pilot Wings, where those games were kind of a little thin, but they were pretty much fleshed out versions of the experiences they were trying to provide this genuinely feels like it's sort of lacking something yeah we're i think we made the comment on the f-zero podcast where we were 
saying, you know, like I, I would have liked to have seen a sequel to this because I think the concept is solid, but there's more that I would have liked to have seen done with this. I think that's even more severe here. Like, I'm not even sure that the concept is quite as nailed down as it is in F-Zero. Like, again, just a shooter without power-ups. This 100% just kind of feels like a tech demo to me. And I mean that in kind of a more pejorative way here than I did when we were talking about those other games. I think so as well. You know, again, there's things about this that I think are really neat, but I sure do wish that there was just more to this. There's not a ton of levels involved, and it's it's not fantastic. Did you have more to say about it? Yeah, I mean, aside from that first initial, you know, impression the visuals make, I don't really think this game makes that much of an impression, honestly. Like, the music is fine, but it's not that special, and the gameplay, as we've discussed, is pretty basic in a lot of ways so yeah i'd say i'd say i'm done with uh my thoughts on this game and i'm ready to put it on the list and um where do you think it would go because i've got you know i've got a suspicion that this is at this is going to go at the end of the list so far i definitely think it's it's not as good as F-Zero for the reasons we've already talked about when kind of comparing the two yeah um i think as a shooter like Gradius 3. Gradius 3 just has so many more features to it that I, I can't recommend this above it. For sure, yeah. Um, I'm a little bit torn on putting it below Pilot Wings, though. Like, Pilot Wings is, is me- kind of meant to be a, a tech demo in a way. Like, I feel like like Pilot Wings is exactly what they set out to make, where with Hyperzone, I feel like this needed more time to to add some new features to it to make this a um, any kind of a robust experience at all to, to make it worth recommending. Yeah, and the other thing I would say in my argument for Pilot Wings sort of being a better game than this is that not a lot else really tried to do what Pilot Wings was doing. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Um, and and it, I think it did what it what it was trying to do pretty well, even if that's not really my jam particularly. Whereas this, I think that if you did compare this to things like sega's arcade super scalar games or you know even to f-zero which this shares enough similarities with it you could make the comparison there i i just don't think this is really there in the same way so i would i would personally put this behind that but i i don't think this is a bad game i i've said a lot of kind of negative stuff negative ish stuff about this game but i i do think it's pretty cool i do think it's worth a look I just don't think it really measures up to anything else that's on our list so far. Yeah, you know, I, I think I'm kind of with you. I was I was setting out to try and make some kind of argument that it go above Pilot Wings, but I, I accidentally just made the argument that it actually belongs below it. So I think you're right. I think I'm okay with this being at the end. And yeah, like you said, we don't dislike no. any of these games yet. Like I I think they all have their merits, but I think this one is is more deeply flawed than anything else we have here so far. All right, so I guess that's going to put. Um, Hyperzone at number six. All right. Yeah, all right. So so just as a quick recap, and while the list is still short enough that I can do this, we've got Super Mario World at number one, F-Zero at number two, SimCity at number three, Gradius three at number four, and uh, Pilot Wings at number five, and now Hyperzone at number six. And uh, with that, I guess we will move on to our next game. Hal's Hole-in-One Golf. As you can tell by the name, it is also a Hal Laboratories production, and it is a golf game. It sure is one of those. There's no real, like, kind of fantastical embellishments to this. It is meant to be a fairly straightforward representation of 
the game of golf as played in its natural setting. I don't really have a ton to say about this game. I do think that for what it is, it's quite well made. It does use the Mode 7 effect for giving you a, a, a sense of how the courses are laid out, and that is pretty good. It's a good production overall. Yeah, it does do some great pr- things production-wise. You can go into like a decent-looking topographical map of the course. I feel like the game takes a lot of the guesswork out of things. I, I will say like I, I never tried it at the advanced level, so maybe it, it doesn't do this at that level, but at the beginner or the I think they call it singles level it chooses your club for you which I mean you can change sure but it also just suggests basically the right club every time right it's like you got a really smart caddy with you basically yeah yeah and they also tell you you know kind of what direction you probably want to hit the ball in like you could just simply just scroll through and hit the buttons for your meter and as long as you time everything right you're probably going to do all right Uh, just to, to be clear this does use a pretty standard kind of swing meter for your golf club um, standard golf game setup for that. This kind of brings me to my issue with golf games in general. So, so hey, folks, let's wrap for a second. Let, let's get real here. Just pull up your chair, sit backwards on it, sit down and, you know, just uh, let's yeah, talk. So, yeah. so I will say right out of the gate, neither uh, Emmy or myself are big into sports. Um, we're, we're not... We're not sports people. Um, We would never choose to play a sports video game uh, on our own if not doing something like this. And we may stop doing the sports games pretty quickly here. I'm not sure yet. I think think at this point our goal is... is tentatively to try to at least give a give like a, a a look at the sports games that are coming out during the launch year but we will see how that holds up that may not actually prove viable because we may just kind of run out of meaningful stuff to say about these games given our limited perspective on them but this is all just to say take what i'm saying right now with a grain of salt with a lot of sports games like i don't know if there's a good reason to recommend old sports games over new ones these are things that get updated every single year have been getting updates every single year since this time you know we've got all of the new technology and all of this new these new ways of making the game analogous to a video game in in more and more satisfying ways that like i i think it would probably be hard to recommend these games but golf in particular i think is problematic i feel like all you can do is line up a couple of meters and hit buttons to to mimic swinging the club because golf to me is like maybe 80 percent the technique it is mostly that swing and i say this as somebody who has played a few rounds of golf and like actually knows how to play golf i mean i'm not great at it by any stretch but i could probably you know get on a green and not completely embarrass myself because it is all in this one very specific technique, there's less, you know, like placing of players on a field like you would get in football or soccer or even something like baseball. There's more like managing conditions in this, I think, dealing with wind, speed and direction and terrain and all of that. But it's all just kind of variables that you have to sort out and compensate for, basically, in order to do the one thing, which is hit the golf ball in the right direction. Yeah, at the end of the day, I feel like most of a golf game is just like, lining up these meters and hitting the button. Uh, And, you know, like, I don't feel like, like that isn't a good analog for me to to playing a game of golf. But uh, I mean, you know, there, there, there obviously are people out there who are probably still picking up the newest PGA games and love them to death and could, could talk my ear off about why I'm wrong about this and everything else. But uh, that's just my feeling on golf games. uh, So take it or leave it. 
And, and I mean, the way I feel about golf games is pretty similar. Um, I personally think that I can get interested in a golf game if it is a little bit more video gamey. You know, basically, like if uh, what I mean by that is, I, I need a little bit of like a, a little bit more spice on the game. You know, something um, maybe more arcadey or with some concepts in it that just wouldn't really work in the real world. Like, for example, I think that a game that we're gonna get to many many episodes from now, which is a golf game starring Kirby. Uh, <laughs> You know, I think that has some more stuff in it that's that's interesting to me personally, as as far as how that stuff kind of twists the golf playing experience than this does. And, you know, as far as modern golf games go, I would be more interested in something like, say, a, uh, a Hot Shots Golf or an Everybody's Golf, that kind of thing, just because of some of the, the specific things those games do to make the game more interesting as a video game experience and i don't really i don't really see a lot in something like this that makes it compelling enough for me to want to sit down and spend time with it yeah i feel like if you're not a fan of old school golf games this isn't going to do it for you i mean if you are a fan of those i mean the again the production values on this game look just fine the greens look nice yeah, um it's a well done one of yeah. these it's just it's one of yep. these where do you where do you think this goes on the list? I don't. Mm. It's so tough. It's it's really difficult because this is this is a well designed game. It's just not one that personally does anything for me. Yeah. So, I mean, I would say that given that aspect of it, given that fact, maybe this goes, maybe this goes above Hyperzone, just because it's a, a pretty fleshed out version of this idea and it's doing its thing well, even though. Uh, on balance, I'd probably rather play Hyperzone than this. So I'm not sure. Mm. I don't know. What What do you think? I could probably live with this going above Hyperzone. The visuals, the music and all that are very pleasant. Yeah, it's relaxing for sure. Yeah, it's, it's the kind of relaxing stuff I would expect from a golf game. I don't think it does anything wrong as a golf game. As far game, as I can I, tell, yeah. You know, I, I think there's probably more, a little bit more to dive into in this game if you, you know, if you enjoy that sort of thing than there is with Hyperzone, which is, you know, again, a pretty shallow experience. So I, yeah, I'd be okay with putting this at number six and putting Hyperzone at number seven. How, you, you think so? Yeah, I think so. Just put those two okay. HAL games back to back. All right. So congratulations, HAL's Hole-in-One Golf. You are our new number six. Uh, top 10. Yeah, so. top 10 game. All right. Well, shall we move on to our next game on the list then? Yeah, I guess we're going to go from something I uh, couldn't have less interest in to something I am strangely fascinated by. Indeed. Draken. Well, this game's actually got kind of a, an interesting history. This is a, a more Western RPG that was ported to the Super Nintendo by a Japanese company. Yeah. Uh, um, so this is a game, this was a, a game of French origin originally, I believe, from Infogrames. And then it was ported to the Super, and it came out on various microcomputers, basically, and, and there was a DOS version of it. And then it was ported by a Japanese company to the Super NES and Super Famicom. And what is the, do you know how, do you have the name of that Japanese company that did the port? Yeah, it's, uh, um, it's actually hyphenated here, Chemco Seika. I, Seika is one I'm not okay. familiar with, though. It might have just been Chemco at the time. I'm not entirely sure okay. on that, but... 
it's inter- this is a fascinating game i think I, like- I think it's very fascinating given that this is a, such an early game on a system that would become so well known for having as many Japanese RPGs on it as it does, and, and as many really, really good ones as it does. Yeah, like some of the best ever, and this is basically nothing like any of those. It, it Yeah, it, it's pretty different. Like, it's wild that this is the first RPG on the system. <laughs> yeah, it really is. But, you know, I mean, at first glance, though, this is incredibly impressive. Like, you, you're kind of put into the role of four adventurers whom you can kind of um, roll your characters at the beginning of the game if you'd like, and try and get good stats for them. And you're in an overworld in which you are presented with the world in a first person perspective. And it actually does some interesting stuff. Like the, the overworld isn't terribly well populated with interesting objects to look at, but there are things there. Like you can just sort of happen upon some kind of interesting things or some surprising weird monsters. Um, and yeah, you're given kind of free reign within some limits to go around and explore this overworld as you want so the game does you know kind of nudge you in the right direction out of the gate too it says hey there's a castle over there you should probably go check that out and that's kind of what gets everything started uh at the beginning of the game as you're starting out you're going to be limited to a pretty uh small area of the map that you can explore but that's going to get expanded to you pretty quickly there are a few things this this game can be really tough to wrap your head around. There's a lot of systems that aren't terribly well explained. And part of that, just briefly before we get any further, part of that might actually be because of the translation. Because one of the things that's super strange about this is this is a French game. This is a game of French origin originally that was translated into Japanese and then translated from Japanese into English. And there's kind of a game of telephone here where some strange stuff happened during that translation. Like, the game's story is quite different, basically as a result of just the translation getting interpreted over and over again. Quite different from the the story in the the original PC version of this game, just because of that, and not because of any kind of conscious choice that was made. And I think that probably does extend to some extent to uh, the way systems and, and, you know, aspects of this game's gameplay are explained. Well, I do think that this game came out in a time where video games were much more apt to just kind of say, here's the world, go do things in it, and yeah. not necessarily... But because maybe it was more expected that, like, hey, this is going to be played by kids who might have, like, a whole three months off for summer. and you know. Yeah, and, and also in, like, you know, the way that sort of the gaming ecosystem worked back then, it was not assumed that somebody would have like a new game to play every other week basically definitely like we do now you know it was really more like here get this game it's going to be confusing and intricate and you can kind of just sort of chip away at it over a period of months and really kind of figure out everything that's going on in it and yeah for, for sure this definitely feels like it's it's part of that as well and i gotta say i think that if i had had this game if i'd known about this game and and played it back when it came out when i was that age i would have loved this game i would have been fascinated by it then too yeah i don't know if like if i would have been fast more fascinated by it or if i would have been more frustrated by it at the time honestly because while there are some really interesting things about it this game is also kind of janky oh it's super janky for sure it's super janky. There are a lot of uh, menus that you have to scroll all the way through that don't give you all of the information that you might need. Yeah. 
when you equip a new piece of armor, you have to scroll through the entire... You have to go through multiple screens to see what the change was to, like, your stats. And even then, you have to basically remember what the old stats were and compare them to what the new stats are, uh, which isn't great. Yeah, there's no modern touches that we would expect. I mean, even, like, that we would have expected later on in the Super Nintendo years where it's just going to tell you, hey, this stat's going to go up or this stat's going to go down if you equip this. I mean, I'm not sure off the top of my head, but I, I suspect that, like the Final Fantasy games and Dragon Quest games that had come out at this point, like the ones on the original NES, probably already did some of that. This is weirdly difficult to parse in some ways that seem kind of so kind of surprising even for the time. The other big problem with this is that, obviously, as a game that came out originally for computers, uh, no mouse support for this one. The Super Nintendo mouse was still a long ways out, and it, I, it may not have even been a... a an idea yet so there would have been they would have had no way of knowing that there ever would have been a mouse to make this compatible with whenever you go into a dungeon or you know a castle or anything the game switches from the first person perspective to something that's actually more like i guess almost more like a point and click adventure game where you are actually controlling one of your four characters on the screen and you have to actually go up to stuff and investigate it, take items, use them other places, solve little environmental puzzles, and also get into random encounters, uh, battles in, in the game. And and that stuff's not that easy to do with these controls, that's for sure. No, it's not. And also, the battles take a lot of control out of your hands as well. Your characters mostly just act on their own anytime you're in a battle, either in the overworld or in a dungeon. You can go into a menu and basically change what kind of action they'll be doing like you know be more aggressive or defend or whatever yeah use this spell or use your weapon but but other than that like they'll just kind of do it at their own leisure and and, like a lot of battles come down to how many times are you landing hits versus your enemy and if you get really unlucky like we did when we were playing (laughs) a somewhat easy enemy can just completely wreck your party yeah and you you can't and there's not like items that you can use to revive people you actually have to take them to a shrine that is just out in the overworld in order to revive people if they die in battle and i i swear we never actually made it to one of those shrines like we tried we had people die and we were like all right the shrine's over there let's go do it and we just never made it there because stuff killed us along the way yeah or we were blocked because we were still the beginning of the game and we couldn't go to different areas yet so that was another issue yeah there's just a lot of really strange things about this game that could have been more transparent to make this game especially in the earlier areas an easier game to to sort of settle into this game is also just very very bizarre in some ways like some of the monsters are just bonkers um there's like weird wireframe soldiers that attack i mean you've also got you know you're pretty common you know like slimes and snakes and stuff like that but those slimes can go to hell those slimes are the worst let's see according to something i read that slime was supposed to be one of the easiest enemies of the game and it just ruined our party because we got super unlucky god (laughs) that's what i'm talking about right there yeah yeah um, right that's it that's it (laughs) but there's also like um at night there's a day night cycle and at night there are constellations that will come alive and send monsters down to attack you uh which is pretty cool but also they will just mess you up real real fast yeah they're extremely brutal monsters and sometimes the encounter rate in this game seems super random like it seems like you can walk for uh, like 30 seconds or a minute without getting into any fights and then 
suddenly you'll get into a fight every two steps. And I'm not sure what's governing that. I'm not sure what sort of dice it's rolling behind the scenes to decide, all right, now we going to up. That's going to be it. Yeah. And also, uh, you can run away from battles by uh, quickly tapping L and R, which you'll need to do a lot of the time, especially like if you have the misfortune of running into a tombstone and encountering a giant attack dog head popping out of the ground. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Also, I love how the tombstones in this game kind of look like spoons sticking out of the ground. And I think that's because they were crosses in the original, but... Nintendo being Nintendo, we're like, eh, yeah. Oh, they had to get rid of Can't that. Have any yeah. Religious stuff in here. Nah, nah. There are weird, freaky shadows that, that come out and attack you. Sometimes they moan in very, very distressing ways. Um, one of which is actually a monster that in the PC versions of the game chanted, I love you in different distorted tones. It was really creepy. And uh, to be honest, it's kind of the sort of bizarre and creepy that I'm on board for. I like that. <laughs> yeah. No, like uh, another thing that's great. Uh, so, uh, while we're talking about weird sound design stuff, um, at some points you can just sort of randomly on the overworld run into a merchant. And while the merchant is selling you stuff, there's this thing playing in the background that's, I don't know if it's supposed to be music or if it's supposed to be a sound the merchant is making, but it almost sounds like Himalayan throat singing. It's super creepy and weird, and it's it really doesn't make sense for it to be happening there, but I do kind of love it because it's just so odd. <laughs> But on the topic of the merchant, too, like this is another thing that the game does that I just I don't understand why. And it just feels like one of these strange things that they decided on just to make the game like more complicated and difficult to get through. There is one shop in the game that you can actually visit at any time. You don't have to just rely on finding a random merchant, but it's not marked on the map for some reason. And in fact, even when you find the shop, it remains unmarked on the map. They don't put it so on there for you. you just have to remember where that thing is once you yeah. find it. That's so weird. I don't know why they would do that. Yeah, there's just some things that that just seemed like they were just done in a really gamer unfriendly way for the sake of being not user friendly. So this game is, is a real puzzle for me because, you know, I, I am fascinated by it. I would love to spend more time with it and, and get to play a little bit more of it. it. It looks neat despite all of its flaws, but also people who I have watched on YouTube who have spent much more time with the game all seem to think that this is a really bad game, so uh -huh. maybe they know better than I do. I don't know. I, I do find it oddly compelling, but I think all the stuff we're saying about it is is pretty true. And I don't know. I don't know how willing, how likely I'd be to really recommend this game to most people, unless I knew they were kind of very much on the same wavelength as like you and me about this kind of thing. Something that we talked about a little bit before, I think, with SimCity as well, where it's interesting to see this kind of game pop up on the Super Nintendo so early in its lifespan, because it does definitely feel like people trying to sort of feel out what kinds of games that haven't really worked on the NES before, maybe what will those be like on this new hardware and maybe will maybe they'll work better here because there are some games extremely crunchy very difficult to parse like dungeons and dragons on the nes and i remember when we tried to play some of those we found those just impenetrable and incredibly unenjoyable to actually spend time with and i don't feel that way about this game for all of its problems and all of its weird quirks i do think this game is pretty entertaining and pretty like 
kind of enjoyable to spend time with i 100 percent agree with you there that this game is not nearly as impenetrable as a lot of those almost text adventure type games from the nes era yeah um this this thing is yeah much more inviting and even given all the frustrations that we had with the game i'm still oddly captivated and would like to go back and just check it out and see what else this game has to offer and that's something that like yeah like not a lot of those kind of westernish rpgs from older systems that's not something i can say about those so looking at the list um i think this is the new number one no it's not <laughs> um twist <laughs> no um I definitely think this is better than Hyperzone. I would definitely go back to yep. this before Hyperzone. Um, I'm infinitely more fascinated by this than I am with Hal's Hole in One. For sure, yeah. I'm tempted to put this above Pilot Wings because, it, like, well, Pilot Wings is is something that I respect as a you know for what it did. I'm not nearly as keen to explore that game. I'm more interested in this game than than Pilot Wings. Like, if you ask me to to sit down with and spend like a couple of hours playing, I would pretty much definitively pick this game over pilot wings for sure yeah i, I think in some ways the opaqueness of draken works in its favor yeah it seems a little bit mysterious and it's like what's what's behind there i want to i want to go poke around there i want to see what's happening you want to delve into the secrets that this game has yeah so yeah i i would agree with that so the next one we have up then is gradius 3 and uh what do you think how do you think this compares to that boy i i think i personally would rather play draken than gradius 3 again having said that I don't know that I could recommend this to a lot more people than I could Gradius 3, but I, I don't know. What do you think? Um, you know, I'm pretty much with you there. I'm, I'm pretty much in the same place where, like, yeah, if you ask me to spend time with basically the same thing about that I said about Pilot Wings, if I was going to pick one or the other to spend some time with, I probably would pick this game, even though I know that in a lot of ways this game's a, a, a harder sell than Gradius 3. And, you know, Gradius 3 also has issues, to be fair. It is incredibly difficult, and it does have mechanical problems because of its, you know, issues with slowdown and all of that. So it's not like we're picking, you know, a personal idiosyncratic choice or a really kind of flawless gem of a game. These are both things that have pluses and minuses. So, you know, I, I think I'd honestly be comfortable putting this above Gradius 3, if I'm honest. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know if maybe maybe it's it's too unapproachable. Yeah, I I worry that like the more time I actually spend with this game and, and the more I unlock its mysteries, the less you'll like it. Yeah, that maybe like what's in the chest isn't actually as interesting as that pretty chest looks. You know what I'm saying? Mm, yeah, I guess that's actually fair. And based on what I what I know and what you've seen from, you know, other people having spent more time with this game, I suspect you might be right on the money there. Yeah, like I, I just I think that Gradius three is going to be a game that that's gonna be uh, like you said, a much easier sell. It's it's much easier to recommend than Draken. Like I would love to recommend to recommend Draken to to Drakamend Draken. Drakamend this game. Yeah, <laughs> I would love to Drakamend this game to everyone. But I think most people would probably just find its flaws too overwhelming and and bounce off of it. I think you're probably right. So actually, based on based on that argument. I would feel pretty comfortable putting this below Gradius 3. Okay, all right. Just 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 didn't make it into the top 4, but uh Draken will be our new number 5. 
And I will say, love that daytime overworld music in this game. I've had it stuck in my head ever since I uh, I, I watched some more videos of people playing later parts of the game uh, earlier today. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, and if our so, uh, if our podcast hosting lets us have the video game music in these podcasts, it's probably stuck in your head now too, listeners. You're welcome. <laughs> All right. So. <laughs> well, uh, let's go ahead and move on to our last game of the day then. probably all familiar with this is capcom's classic final fight everybody knows this game you got cody you got mike hagar the mayor uh you got guy um oh oh no actually actually, um, where's guy where's guy is he what happened well yeah he he he, we had to remove him couldn't quite fit him in the cartridge yeah well well, that's a shame but that's okay i mean you you still you still got two characters there to you know to choose from you and a friend can team up and uh and actually oh, what what can't can't do that either in this one this yeah you can you can pick cody or mike hagar but you can't have both of them there at the same time unfortunately this is a one player version of final fight for the super nintendo did did anyone want to play this game alone was that was that a thing anybody wanted? i don't know that i can really think of any brawlers from this era that are particularly something I would rather play alone than with a second person, personally. They're kind of designed for that. Just to say, you know, I know I've said like four times so far, oh yeah, everybody knows this game, but in case you don't, this is a side-scrolling brawler game developed by Capcom, and it is one of their sort of iconic arcade games from this era. This version of it brings a lot of that over, but... The fact that it is both missing a character and the fact that it is a one-player version of this game really does feel like it diminishes this, I think. Yeah, I, I think the one-player thing, more than anything, just really makes this hard to recommend. It looks good. It, it looks the part. It does. It's fun enough to play, even if you have to play it alone. And yeah, it's got a lot of personality. Both of the characters that are here are fun to play, especially, I think, Mike Hagar. He is basically like Zangief, essentially. He can do his lariat moves. He can do throws. And he, you know, he looks great uh, on screen here. But yeah, it really just feels lacking because of its very real lack of a major gameplay feature that was fundamental to the arcade version. I wish I could say if you really liked Final Fight, hey, you've got it to bring home with you. But you kind of do and you kind of don't is the problem yeah don't get me wrong there is always going to be fun to be had in playing as the bare-chested mustachioed mayor of a town beating ass all the way through town to rescue his daughter from a corrupt criminal syndicate that's not something that this version can really take away but the actual experience could be a lot better if it had a second player available this is another early super nintendo game that 
ran up pretty hard on what must have been some technical limitations of the system because I can't see any other reason why they wouldn't have the ability to play as a second a second character um, simultaneously in this. That's the only thing I can think of is that like just technically they they didn't know how to do it yet absolutely i mean there would be brawlers later on in fact there's quite a few brawlers on the super nintendo that let you play two players i would have to look at the date the release dates to see whether this actually lines up but the genesis would essentially eat final fights lunch with streets of rage it's it's hard to recommend this over something like that let's say well, it seems a little bit unfair to rank this game lower with the knowledge that games are going to be coming out later for the Super Nintendo that aren't missing the big two-player feature that I think is kind of almost essential for a brawler like this. You kind of can't help but do that either. I mean, even Final Fight itself will have sequels on the Super Nintendo that let you play two-player. Even if we just don't talk about other brawlers or anything like that, the fact is that if you were to stack this up against the other games that are out for the system right now, there, I, I feel like there's a limited amount of fun to be had here compared to most of those. Though real talk, looking at this list now, are there any two-player simultaneous games for the Super Nintendo out at this point? Uh, I don't believe so, actually. That's really interesting. I hadn't really thought about that before, but... I would say that that's a big feature for racing games, too, but F-Zero doesn't have it, and it's still number two on our list, so, I mean, maybe... Yeah, that's true. Maybe we don't have to let it hold it back quite so much, but I feel like with a brawler, though... There's less to this mechanically, though, than there is to F-Zero. Like, I think that F-Zero is more fun just as an experience to sit down and play than this would be for like a protracted period of time yeah i mean i've played plenty of racing games in cart you know go-kart based uh racing games alone and had a lot of fun with them brawlers i kind of feel like if i'm playing it it's because i want to be playing with somebody else yeah because they're not they're not complex games they're not games with a lot going on there you know you know i just have so many great memories of being at the arcade with friends and like you know we all pick our turtle that we're going to play as in the turtles fighting game the brawling turtles game whatever you want to call it tmnt let's call it that coming out of their shells (laughs) like that sense of kind of community and camaraderie just feel like they're part and parcel to the brawler experience and without that i feel like that's a really really big component that you're missing from the game and in fact like depending on my mood if you can't do at least a two-player game for your brawler i'd maybe say don't put your brawler out there just don't even make it to be clear this game does still have a lot of that capcom charm i mean it's got a really a really great game over screen where uh (laughs) yes the character you're playing as is is in front of a a stick of dynamite that is has a fuse counting down on it and when you press the button to continue a knife falls down and cuts the fuse and they're trying to blow it out they look really scared it's it's very cute you know, this game has an enemy type that is literally just Andre the Giant, you know, which is great. Which would become a Street and Fighter character later on. That's so. right. Yeah, that that's right. Th- this game has a lot of those sort of touches that you would expect to see in a Capcom game. And those do all make it fun. This is a fun game to play, but I don't think it's a fun game to play for that long. And I think it would be a lot more fun if you could play it with somebody else. So just based on the 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 genre of game and how this game works i do think that that makes the lack of a simultaneous two-player mode stand out a lot more than it does for something like f-zero i definitely don't think that it ranks as high as f-zero i don't think it ranks as high as sim city i'm looking like gradius 3 draken i think it goes 
below those two as well. Do you, do you yeah. agree with that? I do. Yeah. 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 We're, I think like maybe the argument could be said that like Draken is maybe like where the, the part of the list begins where it's like, oh, this, these are harder to recommend. But Pilot Wings is maybe the first one that we don't care for all that much. Yeah. I don't know. Do you, do you think this thing, this deserves to go above Pilot Wings or do you think it goes below it? I, I don't find Pilot Wings terribly fun to play, but I do know there's at least like a, a decent bit of kind of different kinds of content in it. And I, I would say honestly that I do actually find final fight even in this sort of diminished form i do find this sort of more just fun you know in like a basic kind of lizard brain sense of like yeah it's fun to beat up people in this game instead of trying to land this plane uh that i'm gonna crash over and over again yeah you know so i would say it goes above it just because of that personally i i think that i definitely had more fun with final fight even without a two-player mode than i did with pilot wings so a lot of number six games today. Yeah, right? That just seems to be where things are landing right now. So, yeah, uh, I, I would I would say I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with this, this being our new number six. All right. So Final Fight is now our number six game. We've got nine games on that list. We almost have a top ten. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. How about that? Um, we're going to add four more next time. And uh, just to kind of get you all excited for next time, I'll tell you what those next four games are going to be. We're going to be looking at Populous, Super Bases Loaded, okay. Super R-Type, and The Chess Master. Ooh, The Chess Master. What a mysterious and intriguing sounding individual. Yeah, I bet he likes chess a lot. You think? Yeah, probably a fan. Well, we'll see. So, yeah, that's that's exciting. Are those games still within the month of September, or are we going to move into a new month next time, too? No, we are staying in September 1991 next time. All right. That launch library is just exploding. It's amazing. That's exciting. I am looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. I, I'm looking forward to talking about some other really different things. And I, just, I do lo- just love, so far, the kind of shotgun blast scattershot of different types of experiences on the super nintendo during its first year like this still nothing that i think is really really bad just yeah, you know some yeah. stuff that i think is maybe less inspired or you know not harder to recommend sure anything else you wanted to say before we uh call it a day i think i'm good i think that's it i feel good about the games we played today i think that our list is shaping up yeah i'm excited to come back and do uh another another four games i feel good about where we're at right now yeah well i i do want to say one more thing to our listeners all right folks thank you all so much for listening we really appreciate it we will see you next time we hope and until then play it loud Our intro outro song is How Now Brown Cow by Technoaxe, who very generously offers a ton of great music for free and royalty free at technoaxe.com. For more of our content, check out honestpiranha.com. Thanks for listening.